Welcome to this episode of the Marketing Your Podcast show. And we are here with a special guest, Miss Jackie Brubaker. And Jackie is someone who has had an entire career before podcasting, but recently jumped into podcasting at the beginning of the year and has had some incredible success. I saw a post on LinkedIn that Buzzsprout had notified her that she had just gotten 50,000 downloads in, in just under six months, which is really cool. And to see her have that success has been amazing. But finding out before we started recording that the podcast was actually a way to promote her new book that's coming out rather soon. And so we're going to talk about why the podcast, how the podcast, what it has to do with the book. And we'll also kind of talk about her job, her career, and how that's played a role into her podcasting journey as well. So Jackie, thanks so much for spending some time with us today on the MYP show. Thank you so much for having me, Hector. So Jackie, I, I tried to encapsulate a little bit, but I'd love for you to fill us in on a little bit on the gaps on how you got to this journey. Your podcast is kind of, I'm sure, the culmination of a lot of things. And I'd love to hear how you, know, how you got here, why you started the podcast, what were the things behind it, and uh, we can kind of get into how you made it so successful after that. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, I had never felt the need to start a podcast, but honestly, it started with a really one of my best friends saying, we have these incredible conversations. Nobody knows the side of you. Like, why don't you start a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, you're cute. Thank you. But I, she really was really adamant for like a few years. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I, um, so I wrote my book, That Girl, a Novel. And I thought, well, this would be a good way to promote the book is doing a podcast where each week would be two episodes. There'd be the chapter read like an audible. And then there'd be a discussion about it. And since the novel is very like romantic comedy coming of age based in LA and the music and the TV industry, it's like a very fun summer beach read. I thought, oh, this would be fun. Like I'll have people in, you know, from the industry and we'll talk about the industry and it'll just be like really fun and like something you'd watch on like E or something or Bravo. And so that was the initial thought is, okay, let's do that. And I have a background as a producer. I produce EPKs, which are basically when you're watching Access Hollywood or something like that, or like, you know, behind the scenes footage of your favorite TV show and the actors or directors are getting interviewed. I do those interviews <laughs> just behind the camera. So I have a background in interviewing people and I have a journalistic background as well in writing. But, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I think I was just one of those people who was like, who would care what I have to say, which I think is a really common thing in podcasting. Like, why me? Like, why do people want to listen to me? And sometimes I seriously wonder that too, still. <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> but um, so that was how it started. I just, you know, I technically started the podcast last November, but it was crickets. Like nothing happened. It just sat there. I promoted the, you know, the crap out of it all over social media. I marketed it. I did not do any like traditional like Facebook ads or anything like that because I really wanted to make it very grassroots. So I reached out to like everyone I knew, like whether we were acquaintances or really good friends or had met once, I'm like, hey, my book is coming out and my podcast is coming out on the same day. Can you put it in your story? And I would give them, you know, uh, graphics to put and everything to put because people are busy and lazy and they don't want to do anything for anybody. So I'm like, listen, like this is the easiest thing ever. Put it in your story. If you make a post, oh my gosh, like I'd be your best friend, but just anything. So people really went to town on the launch day, but, and the book, you know, started to sell, but then the podcast, like I said, was pretty crickets for like a couple of months. And what happened was that I started getting referrals of people to bring on the show that were, or actually 
now that I'm remembering, it was a divorce attorney who is like Gwyneth Paltrow's best friend who wrote the book on like conscious uncoupling. And she contacted me having heard about my podcast, which is also still just like hell. <laughs> and uh, she's like, I'd love to come on and talk about divorce. And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So that's when it kind of started to change. And her episode came out in January. And that's when I created the second season and basically trashed a bunch of my first season with the episodes of the chapters and the discussions. I kept a couple discussions that were still relevant about dating and relationships, anything that someone might be like, oh, that's cool. But then I really rebranded for the second season and focused on bringing basically people, leaders in their field, people with inspiring stories and just interviewing them and giving really kind of Oprah-esque sort of episodes as well as doing some fun episodes on dating and relationships. And then it started to really take off. And I really attribute that to being authentic in what you want to talk about. Like, I love talking about fun, like summer read kind of stuff, but I love digging deep with people and those stories. It doesn't matter who the person is. They've got a great story and you start really talking to them about it and getting that story out there for other people to hear. Other people are going to relate. They're going to be inspired. They're going to be motivated. And that's, I think, what's really what made it such a sharp turn because it was like nothing. And then boom, it just started like that. It's really cool to hear that because one thing that we've talked a lot about on this show is the concept of pod fade. And I don't know how familiar you are with that concept, but basically there's some statistic out there that someone made up, I'm sure, that says <laughs> that, that you know, most <laughs> of the most of the shows only last about seven episodes or so. And that's oh, wow. kind of what they found. And that's, you know, it's probably from the research that they've done where they see where where shows drop off. But the average, you know, kind of run of a show is about seven episodes. And so after that, whether it's it doesn't hit their expectations, it's too much work, you know, all the things that I'm sure you kind of dealt with come into play. And so I'm curious for you, in that moment. You probably had a decision to go, hey, I'm either going to shelf this, like it was a cool idea, you know, the book is taking off, it was a cool idea, but it, you know, it didn't hit my expectations. And you you decided to, instead of shelving it or starting a new show or whatever that was, you decided to rebrand and kind of continue on. What was the thought process behind persisting? Or was there, you know, any mental talk or, or thought of canning the show or, or shelving it <laughs> for a while? Yeah, actually, when I before I even launched, I was like, well, I've got so many episodes in the can. I had all of the chapters, which were 31 chapters. So I'm like, well, I've got 31 weeks of chapters. I'm sure I can fill them with discussions on each chapter. And if this doesn't work by the end of those 31 chapters, I'm done. <laughs> that was it. It was really actually kind of nice to have that like endpoint just in case. And interestingly enough, like I think the 31 chapters would have ended in like July, which we're in June now. So, you know, you just never know what can happen. But I am a very big promoter of being consistent. Like consistency is key in anything you're doing. And also you've got to look at the long game. Like you can't just start a podcast and be like, nobody's listening. I'm going to stop. Like you can't go into it with that because no one's going to listen at first. Trust me, like no one's going to listen. And you've got to just keep showing up and being consistent and listening to your audience. Like had I not listened to my audience and looked at the numbers and looked at the feedback, I wouldn't be where I am. Like you have to pivot when it feels like it's time to pivot and you can't be afraid of it. And it's really easy too because, you know, I think as podcasters, the one thing I learned too was like you have to have a niche. Like you have to have a niche. 
And I think some podcasters get afraid to change their niche or alter it some because they're afraid that it might look maybe sporadic. But if you really feel that your audience is showing you what it wants, like why wouldn't you just feed that more to them? I mean, that's what I'm doing. Like even for this summer, right? This was truly just a happy accident, but I'm scheduled with episodes well into November, like in the can scheduled. But somehow or another, sometime earlier this year, I made a mistake and skipped like five weeks. (laughs) So like I must have like put like June 9th and then after that it was like July 28th or something. I'm like, ah. So um, I had these five weeks. I'm like, okay, I know my audience. I know what they like. It's summer. They love like fun, dating, relationship all that stuff. They love it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do like a hot girl summer, but it's going to be a that girl summer. We're going to do five weeks of just really fun, playful, but interesting, you know, informative episodes, like still the same kind of stuff. Maybe not as deep as some of my other episodes on like, you know, surviving cancer or something, but like, you know, like think about, you know, what season you're in, think about your audience. Like it is so about them, but also doing what feels right to you. Because if you're being inauthentic to you, they can hear it, they can feel it, and you won't feel good and you'll stop your podcast because you don't want to do it. Yeah. I think that's, there's a couple of things you mentioned specifically about the rebrand and knowing your audience. And that is just a big theme and that comes up over and over again with successful shows that whether they do it intuitively or whether it's something that they're conscious of. But the second time around, what were you more conscious of with regards to the show or maybe even more specifically with regards to your audience? You mentioned kind of knowing what they wanted. Was that it? Or were there other things that you were conscious of for the second season that you wanted to do differently than the first season? I mean, the two main things were I wasn't feeling very fulfilled and keeping it on a kind of shallow basis. And it wasn't working with the book. Like no one was listening to the chapters. Like nobody really cared. And so, I mean, of course, that's like not fun to see, you know, when you're looking at your numbers, but that's the truth. So you've got to like be in that reality. But also, you know, when I did do that episode with the divorce attorney from, you know, Goop and the whole thing, I watched my number spike and was like, oh, this is good. Like, they like this. Like, it went from, you know, nothing to like a thousand downloads in like a week. And I was like, whoa, what? So it just, it's really looking at your numbers. It's taking your ego out of it, but it's also remaining true to yourself. So like, if your podcast is on like sci-fi, like Comic-Con stuff, right? And like, it's very niche, right? listen to what your audience is like telling you by your downloads. Like if you do an episode in that niche and it just spikes, look at what may maybe you did differently. It could just be a fluke, but most likely keep watching your weeks and try to do something similar to it and see how it does. Because that's exactly what I did. Like when my first episode went viral, it was like, oh my God, it was insane. It was, I think by the end of the day, I was at like 10,000 downloads. And I'm like, whoa, what happened? What happened? And so I tried doing that kind of an episode again. And then it just spiked again. And I was like, okay, I know what they like, but I'm still going to remain true to myself and keep doing the stuff that I like too, because they're catching on to it too. They're like, cool, we like all this like dating relationship advice, stuff like that. But we also really like when you dive deep with people. Yeah. 
listening to them, I think is, it's interesting. And for you, I think that intuitively, you have just a very good read on what is like, I remember growing up, they were like, the, the popular kids always knew what what was popular, and they just seemed to know it. And I would sit there and I'm, I'm so nerdy. My wife is, you know, she's like the popular kids who kind of just has an intuitive sense of what people are into. I'm, I'm the one that has to like research forums or whatever. So let's say someone is coming from more of my perspective, what are things that they can do? Or what are things that you have found helpful, maybe in your preparation for, you know, the interviews that you're not as so naturally attuned to? What are some things that they might be able to do to get a better read on what their audience might like? Well, I'm always going to go back to what do you like? Because if you like something, there are other people who are going to like that too. So really speak your truth, dive into like your nerdiness, like other people will like your nerdiness. You know, it's a lot like dating. It's like not everyone's going to like you. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just that's just not their type. And so your podcast has to be really like kind of an extension of you so that you can really connect when you're doing interviews. You really care about the stuff you're talking about. And then you just intuitively know what to put on your show that your audience will like. Yeah, I really like that of most podcast hosts, they end up creating a show for people that are like them. And so I think that if they can really dive into that nerdiness, that could be something that illuminates uh, them as well. Yeah, because there's so many people who are like, oh, like, I mean, everyone's always like Joe Rogan, of course. I don't even listen to Joe Rogan, to be honest. I've never heard a podcast, so I don't actually know. But like, there are so many podcasts that are so similar. You've got to just like do what feels right for you and just not care about the rest of them. And you don't want to copycat. You just don't want to copycat. Like I love Oprah. I love really great interviews. I really love, you know, journalistic stuff. So naturally, I'm going to go towards the deep stuff. But I also, you know, you got to lighten that too. It's like you've got to find what works for you in your heart. Again, like I cannot stress enough, if you were doing a show about something you think is going to work or be popular, quote, it's probably not going to be authentic to you. Like you've got to really pick something that's like, this feels right. I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about it. And that's what's going to get you the long game. That's what's going to keep you making your episodes. That's what's going to keep you booking those interviews and finding those people and digging into it more because it is a lot of work in the beginning. Like I had a whole audio background when I started. Like I used to be in the music industry for like 10 years producing and writing for artists. So like I had all the equipment to podcast and I knew all how to do it. And it was still a lot of work for me. So I think, you know, in the beginning, it's just so overwhelming. You're just figuring everything out. And then you're like, and nobody's listening and I'm working so hard. This is exhausting. That's really why you've got to choose a topic that really sings to you and you could talk about all day. Yeah. What's interesting is that when people come to this show, or when I talk to people that they you know, hear about the show, they think that they're going to get a lot of tactics or strategies or do this or click here. What ends up happening mm -hmm. is we end up talking about the quality of content. And I think that's what, what we've talked about here. Mm -hmm. However, I think that there are still some ways to get more eyeballs on it, to leverage, like you said, uh, mm -hmm. something that resonated with your audience. So was there anything that you did outside of creating great resonating content that helped to amplify your numbers or that helped you to double down or <clears throat> leveraging? I mean, you know, you can kind of take it wherever you want. But was there anything outside of creating an amazing show that helped the show to continue to grow as it did? Yes. I think being very, very seen on social media, I post a lot. 
I do clips of the show. I have a video version of the show. It's on its YouTube channel, which is funny because I've heard this from other podcasters. It's like either your audio version does really well or your YouTube version does really well. And it's not both. I don't know why. But um, my YouTube is like whatever. Like you could go visit it and be like, oh, 10 views. How nice. <laughs> it's just it's just there because I'm doing Zoom calls. So I just naturally put the video up. But what it really does for me is I have those video clips to be reposting and getting it out there all the time. I post on Wednesdays. Everything comes out. I put an audio clip from Buzzsprout, which I love. I love Buzzsprout, by the way. I got so lucky choosing them first. I didn't know anything from anything and they looked right and I liked their player setup and I was like, great, I'll go with them. And I'm just saying, they're not even like promoting any, I'm not promoting anything. I was just like, this is easy. Thank God. So I do an audio version. I do a video clip. I'll do multiple video clips too. And like I put stories up and then I also really like keep on brand with the podcast Instagram and my personal Instagram. So I do talk about relationships and I do talk about self-improvement and all of that stuff regardless of the podcast. So it's like if you're following me, you're following me because I'm talking about the stuff that I'm going to talk about on the podcast anyway. So it's just a natural like algorithm I think that you're just following someone and clicking, liking and commenting on stuff. And then they're like, oh, that's right. Just got a podcast. And eventually they'll click and they'll listen. And even if they're just listening to your clips and liking them and haven't even gone to your podcast yet, you're just greasing the skids for them to eventually be like, wow, that clip was really up my alley. I want to go to her podcast today, finally. But it is truly like, I guess it's kind of a numbers game like that. But like, you've got to be posting, but not not in a gross way, <laughs> you know, not in an overtly like every day, it's like everything. But just again, it's like being really authentic. Also, I'm on every single streaming service, like every single one. When I first started, I was like, why? I'll just be on iTunes. That's fine. And then I quickly was like, oh, this is stupid. I need to be everywhere. And that it's the it's the smaller players that I've found have been the most helpful. Like you can actually email them and be like, hey, like for that girl summer, I am literally, I emailed one of my, you know, smaller players and was like, hey, I have this coming out for five weeks. I know, you know, your audience really loves it. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Like, don't be afraid to contact these smaller players and be like, can you feature my podcast? They most likely will. Yeah, I've heard that a lot from people who think that Apple is the, you know, is the end all be all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're so big that unless you've got, you know, a bunch of money and a big budget to make them pay attention, they have their own things to worry about. Where these other smaller players are all looking for ways to bring value to their audience and they're looking for ways to connect within the community and, yeah. and they're, they're much more willing, you're right, to do, to do things like that. And I've heard that a few times this week. So that, yeah. is, a, that is a great tip. I'd love to know, Jackie, looking back on a lot of people start a podcast to sell a book and it is a great, it's a great strategy. I think for you, I'm sure it was a more roundabout strategy than you had originally had anticipated. But for somebody who's wanting yeah. to, you know, who sees the podcast as a piece of the puzzle or sees the podcast as the entry into the funnel or the, you know, top of mm -hmm. funnel, what, you know, however they see it, there's something else that they're trying to get their audience or their customers to go and buy or, or do or subscribe. Right. I'd love for you to share what your thoughts are now on on kind of sending people other ways, you know, other places, how you feel about it being able to sell a book. And, and if there are any things that mm -hmm. you do now that maybe you wish you did at the beginning or just helpful things that people might do on their show to get their audience to go do something else. 
Yeah, that is a huge reason why people start podcasts. They're coaches, they're, you know, selling a book, they're selling classes, all kinds of things. People went, I mean, I'm like this for sure, but I know this from just reading tons of articles. People listening to podcasts do not want to hear five ads about either what someone else is selling or what you're selling. You have got to keep it so simple. You have got to lead into your show immediately almost. Like have your intro be 30 seconds max. Like get to the heart of your show because people just don't have any bandwidth for much more than that. So when you're trying to sell something, make it quick. I mean, in my intro, I do say like, you know, my intro is about to change because my book is becoming a podcast, <laughs> which we can talk about in a minute. But yeah, I'll, I'll say, you know, you can like that girl, the podcast is based off of that girl, a novel, which you can find at Amazon to download or buy, you know, the paperback of. That's all I say. Because if someone wants to buy it, they'll go buy it. They'll hear it every single time they listen to your podcast. It's an eventual thing. I don't think it's like, oh, I said it. Now they're going to go do it. It's like, it's all about building trust. And I'm sure you've heard that a bunch too. It's like, you need to build trust with these people. They need to think, oh, she really does know what she's talking about. He really does know what he's talking about. Okay, now I do want to buy his course. Like, I bought a course from someone I had been following for like five years. I never bought anything from her. And then one day I was like, okay, I'm going to do it because I had trusted her for so long and it was like the right time. So, yeah, I mean, it's very appealing to want to sell your products and hope that someone's just going to be like, oh, hey, we're all buying it. And, and I think it's it's hard too when you're trying to do that. You're trying to sell your stuff and it's not working. And you're hearing of like, you know, I feel like coaches are especially prone to this. Like other coaches are like, I sold my course and made a million dollars and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, why can't I sell a course? Like, oh my God goodness. Or like, you know, like my book's done fine. It's not like on an Amazon bestseller list or anything like that, but you never know. It could one day because of the podcast, <laughs> like the last thing I thought that was going to actually help. So when you're trying to sell something and trying to lead your audience to a direction, just give it to them. They're not stupid. Don't treat them like they're stupid. Don't try to sell them in some slimy way. Like, you know, limited time offer. Like, I don't think for me personally, that's just not something that I like to do. And it seems to work. You just want to get that trust there. This has been such an insightful conversation. And I think your combination of experiences has put you in a really unique position to thrive in this kind of new medium. What, uh, what I'm really excited about is the evolution of podcasts and the, the new formats that are coming out. You know, it, it puts a little bit of strain on hosts because there's more expectations from listeners to have better audio quality, a better audio experience. But one thing that's emerging is this narrative form of podcasts. NPR kind of popularized it and the true crime mm -hmm. genre really made it, you know, kind of took it mainstream, if you will. But there's more formats as opposed to just kind of this interview style where people are experimenting in the format. And I think that, you know, it's not really new even because they had the audio dramas of, I think it was like the 30s or, you right. know, but, but it was, it's not a new concept to listen to a story in the same way that you would watch a movie. Right. And you're doing something similar with your book. But, so I'd love to just hear your thoughts on formats and what you're doing with your show and kind of I think you've kind of experimented a couple of ways with different show formats so what are what are your thoughts on the different types of shows and, and what are or what have you found works best for what your show is doing well I mean back back in the day I'm talking like oh my gosh like over 10 years ago my boyfriend at the time was like you've got to listen to this podcast called this American life and I was like what's a podcast <laughs> 
And I got so hooked on This American Life. And they have a very specific format, which is very storytelling, interview, sound effects. It does kind of almost feel like a newer version of a radio show. And it's very funny because I actually, um, radio shows are kind of near and dear to my heart. So when I started mine, I... There has been a time where I'm like, I wonder if I might kind of keep evolving it into like a similar kind of This American Life feel. However, that is a lot of work. Like that is a whole other level. (laughs) It's so much work. Yeah. It's it's a different level of production for sure. Right. And I'm like, I don't quite have the crew. It's just me still like to do that. It's we're not there. But I think that that's really interesting. And true crime shows are are so well done. And and it is interesting. I mean, I do feel like we're going back to kind of the old age of radio and why like our grandparents and they loved it. I mean, it was it was a storytelling kind of thing that they're listening to. Yeah, I think that yeah, I listen to a lot of audio books. And I'm wondering, you know, in similar instances, I would listen to, you know, a, an audio experience. I remember as a kid taking the bus and, you know, just having my headphones in. And in those instances, I'd imagine that more and more people are going to be in situations where they might choose, you know, this kind of different audio experience. And so I think that for podcasters, it is a it's a great opportunity because, you know, there's new ways to create art. But then, you know, like you said, there's a little bit it requires a little more of you because it is a definitely a bigger undertaking for sure. Jackie, we're rounding out of the interview here. Is there anything else, stories, tips, ideas, anything that you feel hasn't been said that you think might be helpful for a podcaster who's listening? Yeah. I mean, going off what you just asked too. So my novel was supposed to go on Audible and I actually, you know, read the whole thing myself. I recorded the whole thing myself, which by the way, it's a lot of work. (laughs) And Audible apparently was so crazy with so many people trying to get their audiobooks on last summer that it just never really worked out. And I was like, what's a new way to get your own novel out there and to promote it and to not rely on Audible to be like, oh, I hope, you know, kind of like on Amazon, like, oh, I hope it, you know, shows up in someone's like search. So with the podcast doing so well and what you just talked about, like different forms of creating art and how to get your stuff out there, I decided to put my novel, since it was recorded in episodes, in chapters as a podcast. And that's coming out. It's just starting to get to each player right now. So I haven't officially launched it, but by July 1st, it should be all the way up on everybody's player, but I just thought there's got to be a better way to get my audiobook out there. And with a podcast, I just think this is really savvy for people who have something like this or a book to put it out there. You can put affiliate marketing with it. You can put ads to things that you know you want to put it to. You can direct them to your other podcast if you have one and vice versa. I mean, it's just cross promotion for you back and forth and back and forth. And it's just another way to get more listeners. And it's free. Like I uploaded all of my chapters and a trailer and that was it. Like I paid for it to have that many episodes and now it'll be free going forward because I'm really not adding anything to it. It's just a book. And, you know, another thing that a friend of mine did was he created a podcast musical, which also felt kind of like an audiobook with music or a documentary almost. And it was brilliant and you get really hooked into it. So I think that if you are also thinking of selling a book, if you have the ability to record it yourself or have someone record it, that is an amazing connection between the podcast and then your book. And you will make money because I think a lot of people might be like, why do I want to give it away for free? 
But it's just a way to get more audience and eventually funnel them towards whatever you want to sell, including that book. Yeah. This has been fun, Jackie. I I just admire your, I don't know what the word is, gall is coming up, but like, you know, you're just, your, your ability to just dive in and do it. And you've, you know, you've done so many different things and I'm sure you just have, you know, I'm sure we didn't talk about the, the doubt and the fear and all the insecurities that come along with that, you know, we as creators have to deal with, but you seem to, despite all that and move past it and kind of dive into all these different things. And so I just want to acknowledge you for that as uh, as well. You just have to do it, right? Just feel the fear yeah. and do it anyway. It's my truly the motto I live my life by. <laughs> and, and I think that you have, you've obviously done that because there's so many other people would be sitting out there going, how did she, she wrote a book and she did a podcast and she has another job and she's doing, and so, you know, your, your ability, like you said, just to do it is, um, I think is what, what, what you can attest to it. The, the book is That Girl, a novel. The podcast is That Girl, the podcast. And then there – is the, that the two? Yes. And, and then the, the podcast for the novel <laughs> will also be That Girl, a novel. And you can find it on all of the, the players by, at that least one's, by July 1st. Yeah. That Girl, the novel, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I, I'm it just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, no, you have great branding. Uh, ja- Jackie Brewbreaker, I think, is is the website. Is there anywhere else people should go to find you or stay connected? Sure, definitely find me on Instagram. I'm most happy on Instagram. It's where I post all the time. So you can either go to That Girl the Podcast or you can go to Jackie Brewbaker. I'm very active on both. And then also the website for thatgirlthepodcast.com is where you can find all kinds of things and more about me and get in touch if you think you might be a good guest for the show. I'm always open to having people tell me their story. Thatgirlthepodcast.com. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wonderful. I would encourage you guys to go subscribe to the show. Listen, it's a I don't know that I'm your target audience, but it seems like a very fun, amazing show for for people, you know, for your niche. You've created you seem to have created a show that really resonates and jives with your audience. And I think that that's just a, a testament to everything that you've been doing. So thanks guys, if you've stuck with us today, hopefully, I know you guys have gained some insight. I encourage you guys to listen to the interview again and go connect with Jackie and we will see you guys on the next episode of the MYP Show. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Your Podcast Show. If you enjoyed this interview, we'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes with some fantastic guests. If you have any questions, we encourage you to go and find me on LinkedIn. And if you want more podcast resources, go to www.amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com for more podcast marketing resources. We hope you're having an amazing day and we can't wait to host you on the next episode of the Marketing Your Podcast Show.